0: Welcome to C3 Church, Queens Beach. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoyed this message today. So good. As many of you know, a couple of weeks ago we had a 24-hour prayer meeting here. Uh, Well, not here. Some of it was here. And I was driving with Emily back to another prayer meeting after that. We were pretty excited and pumped. I wanted some more time in the presence of God. And we were excitedly sharing all the things that God had done already through the prayer meeting. And then we were saying, how much fun was it having food together? We had croissants and hot chocolates and coffee and had a time of fellowship in between the times of praying. And we were chatting about how powerful that was. But that makes sense, right? Because that's actually Biblical. Yes. Acts 2.42, the early church functioning in community and revolved around sharing meals together. And it says here, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Hello? Yes. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Yes. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Guess who's coming to dinner? So the fellowship was a really important part of them sharing their lives and encouraging one another in their walk with God. And this brought the power of God. Many wonders and signs, even many salvations they saw as people were, saw them breaking bread together as they were loving one another. <laughs> everyone was welcome. Everyone was included. Yeah. We know God's two greatest commandments to love God and to love others. And to love everyone equally is a true sign of our love for God and our desire to live Christ-like. Yeah. Mm. Love isn't just a feeling, it's, right. it's a commitment. Yeah. It's an action. I can't just think, mm, I love Steve and not actually do something to help him experience that. Mm. They don't just experience that because I thought it. It requires an outward expression. Actually saying the words and speaking other encouraging words and then showing it in different ways as well. In acts of service, doing things to help each other, in gift giving, in spending quality time together, in being physically close. And that's why church is amazing We get to express our love for Jesus and what he has done in our lives by expressing love back to him through actually coming to church. We have quality time with him, physical closeness with him, and his church family that he loves so much. We're praising him and lifting him up, and others too, with our encouraging words of affirmation. And we're bringing our gifts, our tithes, and our offerings. And we're also using our God-given gifts to bless others and encourage them. And serving in the house of God. Mm. Not to tick off a checklist, to alleviate guilt or earn brownie points. We're not doing it for a title, recognition or status. But just because we love Jesus. We want to be like him and we want others to experience that love as well, what we have experienced during the week we also have the opportunity to reach others and to love yeah. them, as did the early church, through the power of hospitality. So what is hospitality? Hospitality is known as entertaining and welcoming guests or visitors. It's a genuine way to show love for other others. I think we've had some different interpretations of this over the, over the time, we might have said oh that was great hospitality, meaning we really looked after, experienced some luxury Um, We had an excellent experience, but it's actually so much more than that. And it comes from two words in the Greek, philos and xenos. Philo is one of the many words that the Greeks had to describe love. This one meant friendships, and xenos means foreigners. So hospitality is actually the love of one who is not like us. And Joshua W. Jipp says, Hospitality is the act or process whereby the identity of the stranger is transformed into that of the guest. While hospitality often uses the basic necessities of life, such as protection of one's home, the offer of food, drink, conversation, and clothing, the primary purpose of hospitality is to provide a safe and welcoming place where a stranger can be converted into a friend? That's amazing. Yeah. Guess who's coming to dinner? Yeah. And Isaiah fifty eight verse six says Is not this is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break yeah. every yoke? Yes. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. We can't use excuses here and say, well, you know, I'm not an extrovert. I'm not really that sort of party entertaining sort of person. I'm not like that. My home is just my zone to chill, you know, to binge on Netflix. We don't have any excuses. This is biblical hospitality. And our purpose statement as a church, if we look at the slide there, is that Jesus is at the centre of all that we do, he came to give us life to the full. That's right. We want to live that and we want to share it so other people can experience it, that. And showing hospitality is a powerful way to do this. And it enables us to do these things that we see here to foster family and friendships. That's how they develop. To reach out to others who are far from us and have that plus one heartbeat as we were hearing about and beyond. And we want to see the lost family come into a relationship with Jesus and build these connections. Mm. And as we do this, we're growing as influencers yeah. in our family, community, in the world. And hospitality is not about hosting parties or for only certain personality types, but it's a biblical principle command to love others that we are all called to because we are Christians. And when we're a Christian, we are followers of Christ, that's what it means, followers of him and his teaching. And I saw this um, meme, hospitality is love in action. Hospitality is the flesh and muscle on bones of love. Thought that was really beautiful. Again, requires an action, doesn't it? And Christine Paul says, even among Christians, many of the current discussions about poverty and welfare, inclusion and diversity, Scarcity and distribution are conducted without the benefit of any coherent theological framework.
1: Often the result is
0: that our stands on complex social and public policy concerns are little affected by our deepest Christian values and commitments. Hospitality is a framework that provides a bridge which connects our theology with our daily life and practice. And hospitality can uh, enable us to understand others, so it's not them and us anymore. And I don't know about you, but I've had many experiences where I've had an idea or an opinion on maybe a people group or something that's going on in society, but then I've actually had, had an opportunity to, to allow humanising the representative group through an individual contact. We can have an opinion about them, then you meet one, and they move from a statistic to a story. Yeah. So we had an example of that. Um, when I was kids' church pastor at, at Burn Heights, a family came through. Someone was delivering free bread and saw this family and thought they looked like they're in need and talked to them and they came to church. And I had time hospitality with this um, beautiful mum from Kenya. And she had just come from a refugee camp there with her own husband and her two boys. They'd been there for five years. She'd actually witnessed her whole family. Oh, be um, slaughtered with machetes while she was hiding in the bush wow. and so she's not in an immigration camp because she's just trying to get a better life yeah. Yeah. and while she was there it took five years for these papers to be processed mm. meanwhile they had another little baby, little baby Victoria. The papers came through and there were no papers for Victoria oh. so they had to leave her in Kenya. Mm. Well I heard this story and 10 years later, I'm still crying about it. I was absolutely heartbreaking to see this family without their baby and frustrated at the incredible red tape that they had to go through and the lack of sense, right? Just something logical about it. And many of you know Bessie Sermon, amazing lady from Hepburn Heights. God spoke to her and said, You were going to get this baby. She was like, Well, I've never done anything like this before. But God just divinely showed her how to go through the process and cut the red tape. She told it would be two to three years before they would be able to get Victoria to come to Australia. Wow. But it took seven months. Oh, wow. You know, and once that baby of Victoria arrived, they then had another baby. They called him, in honour of Leslie, even though he was a boy, they called him Leslie. <laughs> and um, I called him Boy Leslie just to determine, they spelled the name differently. And one of the most amazing days in my life was for Leslie and I to dedicate these children, Victoria and baby boy Leslie, to the Lord in the house of God. Another experience, our neighbour that we had in Duck Craig, she helped refugees, settled into the Perth life. And she would have incredible hospitality and we shared many afternoon teas and dinners at her house and with this beautiful neighbour and she made, we made friends with this beautiful Iraqi family during this time. They were highly intelligent, educated people with degrees. Um, Again, her, her dad I think had been killed because he was intelligent, he was a university professor and They were now living in Perth doing menial jobs even though they had degrees because their degrees meant nothing here. Mm. And we watched them work so hard to re-educate themselves and to build an incredible life. They're wonderful people. So do you think that meeting the one has changed my opinion of the group? Yes. Mm. They move from a statistic to a story through the hospitality of God. And God wants to continually shift our mindsets and hearts and increase our love for others in this way. Personally, I've had many opinions of people, I've had my opinions change drastically as I've spent time with them over a meal. And praise God, they've had their opinions of me change by sharing that time together too. Right. Hospitality is central to our faith because our salvation is an act of God's hospitality. The Gospel is the hospitality of God. We have been saved by faith and hospitality. In the Old Testament, we see the the children of Israel, we see this whole story. We were strangers and he welcomed us. He converted us from strangers to sons and daughters and heirs and all the resources that he has flowed to us because of this. Right in the beginning, God created in the Garden of Eden this incredible, stunning place that couldn't have been more beautiful, which provided absolutely everything for his people. And then we see that in the then there was nothing missing, nothing broken, everything was catered for. And he invites us in. And then he prepares later the promised land for his people to give them a sense of belonging. And he says in Leviticus 19, 33-34, when a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. Yeah. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native-born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. You want to treat foreigners well, because we were once foreigners yeah. in Egypt. Yeah. Is there anyone here that was raised Jewish? No, none of us, that's probably what I thought. Most of us read the Bible, like, we are the Jewish people who got upgraded to Jesus. And it's not who we are in the Biblical narrative. We, equivalent to the Philistines, the Canaanites, we are the Gentiles. We don't have a right to the covenant promises of God, and we didn't. We the Gentiles have been welcomed in, yeah. included, because Jesus came to earth to make it possible. Right. Ephesians two seventeen. For the Messiah has come to preach this sweet message of peace to you, the ones who were distant, and to those who were near. And now, because we are united to Christ, we both have equal and direct access in the realm of the Holy Spirit to come before the Father. So you are not foreigners or guests, but rather you are children of the City of the Holy Ones with all the rights as family members of the household of God. You, are without God, without hope in the world, strangers, to that covenant of promise. Jesus' ministry is so profound. The distance he went, the boundaries he fulfilled to bring us close to God. Joshua Gibbs says, this divine hospitality comes to us in the person of Jesus, the divine host who extends God's hospitality to sinners, outcasts, and strangers, and thereby draws them and us into friendships with God. Guess who's coming to dinner? see this all the way through jesus ministry yeah. in luke five twenty-seven, after this jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of levi's also well known as matthew sitting at his tax booth follow me jesus said to him and levi got up left everything and followed him then levi held a great banquet for jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus asked them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Yeah. I've not come to call the righteous, yeah. but sinners to repentance. Yeah. Yeah. So he's come for sinners, not the healthy, that's who need a doctor, but the sick that do. Mm. Jesus is saying, that's why I'm here. And in Luke 10, he was asked, who is your neighbour? And then he shares the parable, the story of the Good Samaritan. Yeah. The one without prestige or title did the godly thing and looked after his fellow men, his neighbour. And then Jesus tells us to do likewise. And in Luke 15, the Pharisees were angry with him once again. and said, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And Jesus shares three stories about the lost sheep, about the lost coin. And the prodigal son. And what he is saying to them to us, it's my job to celebrate when the outsider becomes an insider. Yeah. And the story of Zacchaeus, I love that. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He's gone to be the guest of the sinner. Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. Amen. But the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Yeah, Jesus forces hospitality on this guy. It's so funny. I'm coming to your house for dinner. It's like, oh, no pressure. Jesus <laughs> is coming to dinner. Jesus, okay. I'm coming to your house. And it gives him a new identity. Yeah, he's yeah. now a child of Abraham. The power behind this. And Luke 22 When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. He actually prepared the whole place. He had everything ready, this beautiful atmosphere of hospitality for his disciples who he loved so much. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of heaven. So at the Last Supper, Jesus creates a welcoming, hospitable environment for his disciples so they can understand the kingdom. And he exhorts us to always break bread when we are together and remember what it's all about, Jesus himself. And that's why we regularly share communion in our church gatherings. Then after his death and resurrection, Jesus is walking on the road to Emmaus with men who don't recognize who he is and he's explaining the fulfilment of the scriptures through the cross to them. And Luke twenty four twenty eight. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, it's nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open. And they recognised him and he disappeared from the sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? It was that breaking of the bread, that hospitality, where they had a revelation of who Jesus is. The framework of Jesus' ministry is divine hospitality to the stranger and sinner. So if you were to sum up your life, what would it be? Would it be that? John Tyson says, the credibility of our faith depends on the quality of our hospitality. It's a big statement. The credibility of our faith depends on the quality of our hospitality. So how do we do this in church life? If you're a leader in this church, or a mature Christian, hospitality is a requirement. Romans twelve thirteen says, Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. And in 1 Timothy, he's talking to overseers, leaders, and it's a prerequisite. Here is a trustworthy saying, whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now, the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach... Not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. It's a really important thing in there. And Titus talks about being an overseer. And an overseer in the Greek is poimen, which is elder, leader, shepherd, even goes as far as being a pastor. It says, since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy and disciplined. So hospitality is actually also one of the spiritual gifts described in the Bible. But we can't write it off and go, well, that's not my spiritual gift. <laughs> okay, so there's a gift of giving. Some people have that. Does that mean the rest of us are exempt and we don't give? no there's a gift of serving are we or any of us exempt from that no there's a gift of evangelism are we exempt from that no there's fruits of the spirit of kindness and being loving there's all sorts of forms of leadership we don't say you know someone's running the nursery team well actually that's not in my top three leadership gifts so I'm not going to do that we step up into areas that are required from us and it's the same with hospitality We're all required to do that. And it makes an opportunity for people to come together and open up. A gift makes way for itself. And when we use it, this opens doors into people's world and helps them connect to the family of God. You know, if people start attending church and within six months don't connect with someone socially, they usually don't stay. And I want to challenge you, C3QB. In the last few months... How many people have you had in your home and shown hospitality to? And how many of them have been new to the church in the last six months? Not just your friends that you already had. It's really easy to come along on a Sunday and just talk to the people that we already know. And that can border on being a clique. But our first priority needs to be making strangers feel welcome stepping out of our comfort zone. Someone did that for you once. Let's share the love and be inclusive. If you're new, the best thing you can do is join a volunteer team, join a connect group, and from there, you'll make connections with others. I know for Steve and I, when we first went to Hepburn Heights, which was about 17 years ago, we had an amazing lady who introduced us to people, which was wonderful. Then she went to New Zealand with her family for a season. I was like, oh, okay, this is a bit tricky. But I I knew how important it was to connect and I needed to step out and make connections. So I looked around at some of the people that used to sit near us in church and I just thought, well, they seem nice, well, they seem fun. And I went, do you want to come for dinner? I just invited like, I think, three couples or something. And we took a chance and invited them to our house. And we developed, we had a meal there and we made great lasting friendships. And I think, well, it's a shame that as a new person I had to do that but I'm really glad that I did. Better though, as people establish in the church, if we are actually making those connections. And we do have different seasons in our life. I remember watching my mum as we were growing up and she was incredible. She would do these three, four course dinner parties and have people over and they were amazing. And I thought, wow, when I grow up, I'm going to do that. I don't have a gift of hospitality, but I just loved seeing this modelled in my mum and the way that she just blessed people and I could hear them Talking about things of God over the table, and they were just so passionate, on fire for, for God, and I wanted to do that, and I used to do that a lot. Um, apparently, in northern, amongst all the teachers, they would say, if you've got nothing to do, just go to Nicole's house. There's always food, and she'll welcome you, make you a cuppa, and if she's not home, go to Steve's place because he was. <laughs> so I think we were sort of known as, as being the party people, well, not really, but we just liked having people over. Um, but as we, as we in our first years of marriage, I would, you know, we were both working full time and I would do these elaborate dinner parties. But I spent, like, the whole day working and getting and cleaning and being tired. By the time the guests came from doing all the fancy cooking and the cleaning, I was absolutely exhausted and worse. I'm nagging Steve all day, come on, we're going to get this done. And you can actually get resentful and... You know, I'd spend four hours making all this food and then in five minutes it was all gone. Bunch of ingrates, you know. <laughs> feel, who feels like mum? Who's mum's or dad's who cook? Don't you feel like that sometimes at dinner time? Really? <laughs> you just breathed in and it was gone. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> but 1 Peter 4.9 says, and JP shared this in the prayer med- pre-service prayer today, he didn't know what I was preaching on. Be hospitable to one another without complaint, with no murmuring. Oh, okay. (laughs) I somehow missed the point and missed the blessing by doing things that way. And I actually love having people in my home, but I've worked out a far more sensible way. We know things that we can cook really easily or we can prepare before, so when people come, we're actually with our guests and having a good time, not slaving over the kitchen and having a bad attitude. As I said, I love having people in our home. My favourite day of the year is when we have c Through qb Volunteers Christmas Party at my house. And we've got like, you know, 80 people there. And the people are like, are you nuts? Like, you know, I'm like talking to the physio or whatever. And they're like, are you crazy? I'm like, I love it. It's so good. All these people I love. I just get to bless them and feed them. I just, I think, you know, the sixth love language is actually for us just eating (laughs) and feeding other people. Just love it. And we get to prepare that meal for our wonderful adult volunteers and give them just a tiny bit back, show our gratitude and say thank you for – all that they do to reach the kingdom for God. You're just amazing, you guys. Taking territory for the kingdom. And I love having you all in our home. And someone said last one, I was getting too big now, we have to hold it at church or somewhere else. I'm like in my head, well, you've totally missed the whole point. (laughs) You're not going to rob me of this blessing. This is why we do this. We want to have people over in our home and bless them. And last year, Steve and I, experienced some really challenging and heartbreaking times. And in the midst of all of that, we were invited at various times to other people's places for meals, which was a little bit different for us as usually we're doing a lot of the hosting. And I went to one of my um a lady's house that she said, I want to show you my new house. We'd been praying for this for years for her. And I turned up and she had prepared a beautiful meal. She doesn't cook and so she bought really lovely things and made a really big effort. And I thought, oh this is really special and she said i wanted to do this to bless you and i felt so loved so ministered to in that time and beautiful ethan and emily de rosa did the same for us they said please pastor nicole and steve come to our house for lunch oh my goodness they just had everything that was our favorite and it was just like course after course <laughs> and they're like we just wanted to bless you they went above and beyond and we were really overwhelmed and um, one night when we had some really um, upsetting news we were going to a friend's house for dinner and I texted them I said hey guys this is what's happened and they said do you still want to come over I said Yeah. so we're really devastated but we still want to come to dinner and I promised not to be a sad sack and we weren't we were really good <laughs> so we went there they fed us They prayed with us and we just had such a laugh and such a good night. And I said, I'm so glad that we came here and didn't sit home and just wallow in self-pity, that we came and we just shook that off. And we appreciate it so much. And I understood through those moments the blessing of hospitality, that when I do that for others, that's how they can feel. It's actually really, really powerful and it makes me want to do it more for others. So you might be thinking, well, I can't do that for various reasons. I don't have space in my house. I've got limited budget. I live at home with my parents or I've got a season with young children. Get creative people. Go to a park. Have a picnic. Do a really simple barbecue. Make hot dogs. How easy and inexpensive is to slap a sausage in a piece of bread? It's easy. (laughs) Go out for a coffee. Some nights I just Text a whole lot of random friends and say, "Hey, while well, the kids are at youth, um, bring some BYO your own takeaway and come to our house." Like, well, great, instant party. <laughs> it's easy. Take advantage of the big night out on the 6th of April. This is a great opportunity. Invite one of your unchurched friends from school or wherever and say, "Come on, we've got babysitting sorted, and go out for dinner." I discovered, because we have a really, both a really big family and I discovered the blessing of afternoon or morning teas. You can have people over, give them a cuppa and you can give them a slice or you can give them some dip and you're done also love to invite um, unchurched people along to events with my church friends, so then it becomes a plus-one experience. They get to see how wonderful and fun and normal our Christian friends are, and then it makes it easier to invite them to a more formal event at church at a later time, like Easter or Mother's Day or special days that we have, because they already know some people when they come along. It's not about the house. It's not even about the food. It's about the atmosphere if your house is cluttered or messy it's probably not a bad idea to get things sorted so you can't have people over I think God's into that but hospitality is about creating a space opening your heart allowing connections and friendships to develop making people feel valued and loved guess who's coming to dinner and Paul says for us to make room in your hearts for people. In Hebrews 3.1, No matter what, make room in your hearts to love every believer and show hospitality to strangers, for they may be angels from God showing up at your guests. How cool is that? We may be entertaining angels. They've come into your world in disguise. Is that on your bucket list to entertain an angel? Like, and that would be so cool to get to heaven and see someone and go, I knew it! I knew you were an angel! <laughs> oh, that'd be so awesome. Now, Abraham and Lot both experienced this when they showed hospitality to strangers. They had these messengers who were actually angels that came to visit them. And these messengers brought into their life through these different experiences deliverance, salvation, breakthrough in their world. You wouldn't want to miss out on that could be the same for you the answers you need comes through a random person in your life and if you're shutting them out you could be shutting out your destiny and your future and Jesus tells us in Matthew 25 37 then the godly will answer Lord when did we see you hungry or thirsty and give you food and something to drink when did we see you with no place to stay and invite you in when did we see you poorly clothed and cover you when did we see you sick and tenderly care for you or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer him, Don't you know? When you cared for one of the least important of these, my little ones, my true brothers and sisters, you just, dream- just demonstrated love for me. That whatever we do is for the least of him, that we do for the least of him, we're actually doing for Jesus, for him. Alan Hirsch says... If every Christian family in the world simply offered good conversational hospitality round a table once a week to neighbours, we would eat our way into the kingdom of God. That's my type of evangelism. (laughs) We were outsiders made into a disciple by the scandalous welcome of Jesus. The cross, the ministry of Jesus, one giant welcoming environment where your identity of sinner, is transformed into that of saint. And we're called to carry that love to other people around us. To outsiders, to the lost. That's why Alpha is so powerful and so effective, because people in our city are emotionally overwhelmed in their world. They're also spiritually confused. They wonder is there actually a safe, same place where I can ask legitimate questions about faith without being dismissed? Or where my objections are taken seriously. Bring them to Alpha, where there are great people. There's really good, delicious, free food and hospitality. And they can share whatever they need to with people accepting them and loving them. Maybe they'll ask you, why do you bother with Jesus? You can tell them, because I was a stranger. I was his enemy and he made me into his son. He made me into his daughter. He threw a party for me when I came home from my sin. He welcomed me in. He made me an heir of everything that he has. and He gave me an eternal inheritance. Jesus is the most welcoming man I've ever met and he likes me. Do you need God's hospitality? Have you personally received and experienced God's welcome? Let's just close our eyes here. What do you think God thinks about when you come to him? Oh, here they are again with their prayers. Let me guess, you need help again. He's not like that. He just wants to enter into relationship with us no matter how far we are off track. And he stands at the door and knocks. Who is Jesus? We saw through all those scriptures. He's described as a friend of sinners. It doesn't matter what you've done. He says, I'll op- if you open up, I'll come in and we can resume our fellowship. He's the son of God who likes you. He loves you and he wants to know you. So let's pray. Today we create a space for you to come in, Jesus. While every eye is closed, I want you to consider if you have a friendship with Jesus. Have you asked him to come into your life? He's here today extending the hand of friendship to you. And as I mentioned earlier, everything was done, including Jesus giving his life on the cross in your place so your sins could be forgiven and you could be welcomed into the family of God. Today you can move from being a stranger to a friend by asking for forgiveness, accepting Jesus into your heart and experiencing his overwhelming hospitality and love. There's nothing like it. John 3:16 for this is how much God loved the world. He gave his one and only unique son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in him will never perish but experience everlasting life. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this amazing gift you have given us. And now because we are united to Christ, we have equal and direct access in the realm of the Holy Spirit to come before you and call you our Father. We're not foreigners or guests, but rather we are the children of the city of the Holy Ones with all the rights as family members of the household of God. We thank you for Jesus and all he did on the cross so we who were outsiders are now disciples by the scandalous welcome of Jesus. Our identity of sinner is transformed into that of saint. Please remind us that we are called to carry that love to other people around us so a stranger can become a fellow friend of Jesus. Amen. Usher's will collect your cups and we can return to your seats. (laughs) So guess who is coming to dinner? It's up to you, isn't it? (laughs) I pray you have open hearts and homes, that you reach out of your comfort zone and you reach out to those around you.